Well, how many of you are excited to be in the house of the Lord? Come on, man. I love it. Love it. God is doing mighty things here in our midst, and I know he's going to continue to. All right, get your copy of God's Word in front of you um, and get it open to uh, Psalm chapter 20, or 125, or Psalm 125 is where we're going to be today. Excited to preach God's Word to you. And uh, as you're turning there to Psalm 125, quick question for you. How many of you all are enjoying your summer so far? Anybody? All right. Okay. I love summertime. I'm from Florida, so I love the sunshine and the pools. Um, I don't know if anybody can resonate with me on that. Uh, But one of the things I realize as I'm getting older is that uh, I guess I used to enjoy being in the pool. Now I'm enjoying being near the pool. Anybody relate to that? Like I'm the guy who wants to be underneath the umbrella. Uh, at this point in my life. I don't know what happened to me, uh, but it just there's a transition that happened. I got over 30, I guess. Um, but it, it, it's real. But one of the things I, everyone that, you, you, everyone has to struggle with this, this true reality that happens to all of us when you are at a pool. Um, you see these chairs uh, when you go to a pool, something like this. And there's this universal chair check that everybody does. You know what I'm talking about? Like you, you, wanna, you wanna make sure the chair is sturdy and stable and durable before you actually sit in the chair. Um, just because you don't want to be that guy, you know, who falls through the chair and it's on YouTube and everyone sees, oh, hilarious guy who falls through the chair. Um, well, you don't, so, but, but when you have friends, you're going swimming at a friend's house, uh, you do this, you do this very discreetly. You don't, you're not like uh, Inspector uh, Columbo or anything flipping the chair over, but we all check the chair because we don't, we don't know if it's actually trustworthy. Well, the psalm we're getting ready to read is all about trusting. It's about trusting the Lord. And inevitably, we all do something similar with God. There's this uh, Lord check that occurs in everybody's life. Everybody does this, and you should do this. Um, Whether or not you're a believer in the room, or maybe you're just new here, or maybe you are a Christian, there was a moment in your life where you had to choose to trust God. So let me give you a basic definition that's kind of set in motion uh, throughout our conversation. As we talk about trusting the Lord in this psalm, here's a definition that I want to explain. This is going to help guide us. To trust is this. It's a choice to depend on someone or something. So as we work our way through this psalm, this is my definition. This is the biblical definition of trusting. It means to depend, a choice to depend on someone or something. Now, it's funny. This has nothing to do with my sermon, but I can remember going the first time I went to the pool with my wife, Becca. We sat down, and I, I found my chair, and I sat in the chair, and it was dependable. It was trustworthy. Um, but I looked over at Becca, and she was completely in the sun. Um, I didn't ask permission. I'm sorry, Beg, to get this. But um, she was completing this. And I looked at her and said, you're going to get fried. You're in the sun. You got to get in the shade where it's happy, you know. And she said, pulled her glasses down her face, said, bring it on. She, she wanted the sun, um, and she got it. So anyway, um, one of the things that I, I want to talk about. So before we ever sit in a chair, before we ever um, trust the Lord, there has to, there's a choice that we have to make. Um, now, you know that cheesy illustration you see people say, trusting in the Lord is just like sitting in a chair. You know, everybody, ever heard that illustration? Raise your hand. Okay, we're done with that illustration, okay? We're not going to live that one. But it all starts there. So it's a great starting point. So let me explain. Whenever you uh, first heard about uh, the reality that you are going to have to stand before a holy God, and that you and I, everyone in the world, has this sin problem. We are struggling with sin our whole lives. And our sin as a consequence in its rebellion, our rebellion towards God is going to cast us out of the Lord's presence into eternal separation, darkness, fire, brimstone. It's going to be judgment. When you heard that truth 
and it began to grip your heart, you had to make a choice. Am I going to choose to depend on the the Lord Jesus Christ to rescue me from that coming wrath, or am I going to choose to depend on myself and my own righteousness and my own goodness and my own ability to save myself, or maybe this whole religion thing isn't even real? Everybody has to answer the question and come to the question, how am I going to respond to this message of Jesus? And those of us who, who have made the, to- the choice to depend on the Lord, do you remember what it was like for you? Like, do you remember the moment when you trusted Jesus? Some of you are like, yeah, I remember it. Some of you are like, I was a kid. I don't really. Here's what happened for me. When I trusted Jesus, I first heard about the gospel. It was like, this is not a fairy tale. Like, this is real. Like, I'm actually going to be going to heaven, and I belong to God now. Like, he is my father. My father. Like, that's real. I mean, I got joy bubbling up in me. Can anybody relate to that? All right, peace, there is this overwhelming sense of reality like I am God's, and he is mine. Like, it's so cool. Well, it starts there for us. But what I want to suggest to everyone in the room today is that trusting Jesus is not a one-time choice to depend on the Lord. It's an ongoing, continual trusting, a continual depending on the Lord. You say, where am I getting that from? Well, Psalm 125. Notice the very first verse. Let me go ahead and explain. Uh, before we get to the verse, verse, notice where it, say, it says at the top of the psalm, um, a song of ascent. You know, does anybody have a Bible that says a song of ascent? Okay, let me explain what that means to you. There's 15 songs of ascent in your Bible, in the book of Psalms. And what that is, is the nation of Israel once a year would travel uh, to Jerusalem. These, the people, the Israelites, were living all over the Mediterranean world. And they would, by law, have to come to Israel to celebrate the Passover every year. Jerusalem is located on a mountain, though. And so they had to hike up this mountain. Thousands of Israelites were migrating back to their homeland once a year to worship the Lord. And the Levitical priest wrote these songs called the Songs of Ascent so they prepare their hearts for when they arrived in the city. That's what it was about. That's why they wrote these songs. You have 15 songs that were written. This particular song was written to provoke us to continue to trust in the Lord. Notice how the chorus is really verse number one. The chorus of the song is verse number one. It says this. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. Now, notice how it says those who trust in the Lord. It's actually that ongoing, continual trust. You could say it this way. Trusting takes practice. Trusting takes practice. Isn't that true in any relationship you've ever been in? Or um, whether it is like if you trust your kid with, a, with some money, uh, whatever, it takes practice. Like I have to prove, you have to prove your trustworthiness. And as you prove yourself, it'll actually, I'll give you more and more and more. And the, the further we go in this trusting relationship, the deeper it's going to get. It's the same thing with God. Trusting takes practice. And here's what I want to show you. He's telling you, can, those who continue to trust in the Lord, you're going to experience deeper levels of peace. You're going to experience deeper levels of joy, deeper levels of strength that you've never experienced yet. And that's what I want for you, is what God's saying. But this song is written in such a way to provoke us to want that kind of, that kind of stability. He compares it to that of Mount Zion. He says, those who are trusting in the Lord are like Mount Zion. What's so special about Mount Zion? Mount Zion was nothing spectacular, but in Scripture, it's the mountain of of ultimate authority in all of the Middle East. Like, whoever controls Mount Zion controls the world, is in scripturally speaking, in the Hebrew mind, that's what's happening. In fact, even in in our Bibles, in in the book of Revelation, 
Mount Zion is still mentioned. This mountain isn't going anywhere, yo. It's going to be there all of time. And that's what he's saying. He says, this mountain, is, you're, you're going to be like the Mount Zion. It will last forever. There's going to be stability. So in a nutshell, here's what he says. This is the statement I want you to kind of set in motion for our uh, conversation this morning. Those who are trusting in the Lord will be empowered with immovable strength. That's what the chorus of this song is saying. Those who are trusting in the Lord will be empowered with immovable strength. In other words, if it starts with short, you know, just trusting in the Lord for our salvation, this idea of, of, of continuing trust in the Lord will be immovable strength, it's, it conveys this, like we are truly resting in this. I ain't going nowhere. My feet are kicked up and I'm chillaxing. I'm not worried. I'm not sweating the circumstance. I don't care what's happening out here because my view is up there. You see what's happening there? It's this, it's this progression of, of peace. There's a progression of strength. And by the way, everyone in the room, you don't just get saved and all of a sudden experience some uh, unprecedented, unflinching confidence in God. It doesn't happen like that. It takes time. It takes practice. And God will use obstacles in our lives, hardships in our lives, to practice out our trusting in the Lord. You following me? So how many of you will have something going on in your life right now that's like, yep, I got some stuff going on. I got stuff. I need, and I'm struggling. There's some times where I struggle to trust the Lord. This song, I pray, will stir your heart to continue to trust in the Lord because God's got something more for you than you could ever fathom in your experience in your relationship with Jesus. That's what he wants for you this morning. And here's my other thing. I would hope and pray, my prayer has been all week, that God would do something, something so special in our hearts today that not only would he provoke us to trust him more, but there would be some of you who actually want to be bold enough to write your own vertical worship song with four lyrics that might template from this particular passage. That's how cool would that be? Like your personal worship song that you write after hearing what God does in this passage. So uh, let's get into it. Let's, if you're ready to get into God's word, say, let's go. Okay, all right, I'm so excited. All right, here, what we're going to do is we'll, we'll pray, and then we'll jump into verse number one again, and we'll go all the way through the psalm, um, and then we'll work our way through it and unpack it. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful to be in your presence, Lord, and the ultimate desire of our heart is simply to see Jesus. We want to continue to get our eyes on you because we know, according to this promise, according to the very song that we're getting ready to re read, you have something more for us. There is a deeper level of strength. There's a deeper level of peace that we ought to be experiencing, but we need to grow in our trust of you. And so I pray today, Lord, you will help us trust you even when it's challenging, even when it's hard. God, do something special, God, in a special way we ask this. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, here we go. Verse number one. Those who trust in the Lord, those who are trusting in the Lord, are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. Now, how, how in the world could this be? Here's, here's, here's the song. Lyric number one. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth forevermore. All right, notice the very first thing that they do in the song is they remember who God really is. Like, who is God and what is he doing? Notice it says that the Lord surrounds his people. Now, now get with me there. I want you to, I want, how many of you guys have a vivid imagination? Say amen. Okay, got three. All right, that's good. Um, 
I'm, the rest of you, I've, I've prepared for the lack of imagination. So I have, a vid, I have a picture of what it looks like in Jerusalem from like an aerial perspective. Um, this is what you see. The, the, in Jerusalem is right over here on the bottom left, and it's surrounded by mountains. So these thousands of Israelites that lived all over the Mediterranean were traveling and having to hike up this mountain. And as they are going on their way, this vertical worship song is getting their eyes looking around and says, look, look at the mountains that surround Jerusalem. And so the Lord surrounds his people. Like that's what he's now. I want you to like feel that. Feel the nearness of that. That word surround means to completely encircle about. It's this idea of uh, invincible shield. Nothing can break through. Um, it's, it's, it's God is there wrapping around you. It's, I didn't know my daughter was going to be here, but Addie, can you stand up for a second? I'm going to ask you to help me illustrate something. All right. So one illustration is that of, of, of a warrior surrounding his army. Like, he's, like God is going to surround the army. But another illustration is, is God is surrounding her, you with his arms and nothing can get to you. Does that make sense? Like God loves you this much. Nothing can get to you. That's the point of this illustration. That's the point of that verse. Thank you, sweetie. Um, nothing can get to you because you are in my arms. That's an explanation. Hopefully that will hit at home to some of you who are going through some hardship here. But listen to that. Surround such a beautiful, beautiful picture. The perspective we are given here is that God is an invincible shield all around us. I wrote this in my Bible. Um, God's presence equals God's protection. Like, I, I'm, I'm safe. That's how come I can, in the midst of whatever I'm going through, I can, I, I can sit confidently, but I also know that if I have the right perspective of the Lord, you know, no matter how it looks out here, if I look up there, I know God's got this, and I'm in his arms. No, I have the right perspective. I'll be strong. I'll be secure, and I'll be fixed, is this idea. I love how this first lyric of the worship song just has the ability to refocus us on the right perspective. And so when I'm struggling to trust the Lord, the first thing I need to do is get the right perspective. Get the right perspective of God. I heard it said this way, your perspective will determine your perseverance. If I'm struggling to persevere in my situation right now, my hardship, maybe you're having a, uh, some tension in your, in your workplace uh, they might be doing a job transfer. God, I'm trying to trust you in this situation, and it's not working. I don't, I don't see you coming through. Or, or maybe you're having tension in your, in your relationship, and a relationship in your life, a child, uh, a spouse. Um, whatever the situation is, I want you to understand God knows about that situation. And God is the one who had a big part in making it happen. Say, God made something bad happen to me. God will use the bad to get this in your life. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to depend on him no matter how it looks. Well, that's not easy to do. That's hard. But the right perspective, you will be able to have, you'll be able to persevere more. You know, when you, when you begin to view your trials and your hardships as, or obstacles as opportunities to strengthen your dependence on the Lord, you'll experience that kind of peace. Again, trusting takes practice. I, how many... So I love Charles Spurgeon. He's an uh, old-time preacher. Listen to what he said. The guy is so witty. This guy, he was, he was a large man, um, and uh, he smoked cigars. That had no bearing on anything I have to do what I'm going to say. Um, but 
So listen to what he said. He was a great preacher. His statement, I loved his, his wittiness. He said, trusting the Lord is sanctified common sense. That's what he said. It's just, it's common sense, trusting the Lord. There is no conceivable reason why we should, we should not trust in the Lord. And there is every possible reason why we should. Like, I just love that simple statement. Um, it's common sense, sanctified common sense. Well, that's great, Joe. Um, but, but what do you do when you can't see God and your perspective is distorted of God? Like, for instance, maybe you're in a situation where your current reality, you read Scripture and you're having a hard time. Let's just be honest. You're having a hard time reading the Bible. Because when you read the Bible, like, the God of the Bible isn't the current God of your reality. Like, I'm not experiencing anything that this book is saying life should be like for me. In fact, I'm kind of frustrated when I go to church because I hear everybody saying, oh, life is blessed. Everything's going great in their life. But my life is a wreck. Where are you, God? You ever been there? Okay, that's, that's kind of what's happening in the next lyric of the song when you're experiencing those type of moments. And by the way, you're going to experience that. That's completely normal. Expect that, anticipate that. But no, that's when Satan oftentimes makes his greatest move. He begins to throw lies at you. You're right. You're right, dude. Where is God? Look at your life. You, I thought this whole thing you're supposed to, by living to please the Lord, your life would bring about fruit and good things. And your life is a wreck. Ever since you started going to that church, ever since your marriage has been a mess, or ever since you started going to church, your kids have been, whatever the situation, the lies will come. It's going to happen. So when that happens, here's what I want you to see. Look at verse number uh, three, the next lyric of the song. It says, For the scepter of the wickedness of, of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Say, so what are they saying? What are they talking about? Well, what they're doing is they're declaring back to God a specific promise that he made to the nation of Israel centuries earlier. So if you look in your Bible, and I wrote this verse down, you can write it down too. Um, Genesis chapter uh, 15, verse eight, uh, 18 makes this statement. He, God was having a conversation with Abram, and he made, he made this statement. Um, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your offspring, I give this land, speaking of Jerusalem, um, from, from the river Egypt all the way to the great river, the river Euphrates. Like, this is all your land. And so when you come to this verse, in verse number three, they're declaring back to God, Lord, you said that the, wicked, the wickedness will not have their lot and the rest their lot on this land. This land is yours. This is land is the, you promised us. So here's the point I want you to make in your, in, your, in your outline. The second thing I need to do if I'm struggling to trust the Lord is declare back to the Lord his promises. That's so real. And it's so right here. The promise they are declaring was straight from the Bible that God made, that God, God told them this is what's going to happen and and God will do it. So how do I know that? What I love about this particular, the way this is written, is it's actually written in such a way that um, they're not just remembering what God's promises are. It's not, it's not just good enough to remember what God's word says. It's to act upon it. Like declare, declare it back to God. Lord, yeah, this is what you said. Now come and do it, God. You got to do what you said you're going to do. That's the idea. They're declaring it out loud back to the Lord. Now, by the way, God doesn't need a, rem a reminder. It's, we're the ones that need the reminder. So we need the reminder. Declare back to God what God's word says. So here's my nat natural knee-jerk to this, or I want to get you to think about. What are some promises that you need to, to be declaring back to God right now in your current hardship or in the current situation you're dealing with? 
What is it? I want you to think about that. Um, this week, I'd love for you to get out your Bible, start looking, like so maybe Romans 8. Uh, God said that, you, that you, you, you will make all things work together for good, Lord. This doesn't look very good. Somehow work the circumstances out to bring about good. You said it. James chapter 1, God, you said that you will give me gener- a generous portion of wisdom when I need it. God, I need, some, I need some wisdom here. Maybe Peter, when he made the statement, God, you said that you would give me all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Yeah, I need some grace right now. I need some patience. I need more faith right now, God. Okay, ask the Lord for that. He said he was going to do it. So how do I know God's going to come through on his promises? Like the word of God actually says he has to. Like God has to do what he promised he would do. I love this psalm. Psalm 138, verse 2. It actually says this. God has exalted above all things. Let me say, God has exalted above all things. That's everything in the world. His name and his word. He has to come through on what he promised. And he will come through. And you can hold him to it. So I say declare it back to him. That's what I'm suggesting to you to do. Declare God's word back to him out loud, just like the song is doing. All right, let's continue. I want you to see what else happens in the next lyric of the song, uh, actually verse number four. He says, do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. Do good to those. So here we've got a different uh, transition happening. So the first they have the right perspective of who God is and this right perspective of God. I, I see who he is. I understand. It. And now I'm going to be bold. I'm going to remember the promises that God had made to him, made to me personally. So I'm going to declare out loud those promises. And it naturally leads to this outburst of prayer. Like he's letting out a prayer in this song, in the middle of the song. And, he's, and it's notice the, the loudness of it. There's a tone to this particular verse. The exclamation park is where I'm getting that from. He's loudly proclaiming this back to God. So here's, my, here's the application point I want you to write down. Um, when I'm struggling to trust the Lord, I need to cry out loud with expectancy. Cry out loud with expectancy. And I mean, that's exactly what's happening in this song. This is said with, with confidence, with expectancy. The, the, the idea that it's a, Cause this to happen, Lord. This is written in Hebrew, so the Hebrew language is a cool little verb, and it's actually said, to, it means cause this to happen, God. I'm asking you to cause this event to occur because God controls the circumstances, so asking him and, and out loud, God, make it happen is what you have in this particular psalm. Now, when you're dealing with any kind of um, calling out with expectancy with the, to the Lord, how do you pray with expectancy? What does it even mean? Well, I wrote this down. I just want you to follow me. It's like a little, take a little break here. Praying with expectancy requires three things. If you're going to pray with expectancy, number one, it requires clarity, not confusion. You need to be very clear what you want God to do in your circumstance. God, I, I need you. I want you to do this. Whatever, name it out loud. Write it down. It should be, um, praying with expectancy requires boldness, not shyness. Don't be, don't be wimpy with God. Like, God doesn't want your wimpy prayers. Leave your wimpy prayers at home. God wants your heart. He wants your fervency. Be bold and ask him, God, I need you to heal my wife. I need you to fix my marriage. I need you to fix my kids. I need a job, God. Okay, that's what he's saying. With expectancy. Don't pray wimpy prayers. That's not expecting God to do anything. Do it with loudness, with a list, whatever you got to do. 
but do it loudly with expectation. Last thing is pray urgently, not passively. You know, God, God, you know, you know, in, in your timing, God, and I, I, know, I realize your timing's perfect, and, and you know, I, I, because I know your timing's perfect, I'll just pray it once a week. I'll make this prayer once a week, and then I'll, I'll put it on my list. Every Monday, I'm going to pray this prayer. What is that? What is that? That's not a praying with expectancy. God, what is, God wants you every day on your face. I'll fast. I'll, I need your attention, God. And he loves that. You know what you're doing? Because you're laying flat on your back, and you're looking at God. I'm depending on you to move. And now don't get lost in this illustration because it does break down, not literally, but figuratively. Because what it, what it, sometimes people get, get confused by this. That just means i got to sit on my tush and wait for God to move. God is going to bring the deliverance. God's going to bring the victory. Yes, he will bring the victory. But did you know oftentimes he'll use people to do that? Maybe God wants you to kick into gear and apply God's word to circumstances in your life and watch him change things. You have to take action on it. This is not just being lazy, letting God do it all. You, God, God told the nation of Israel to drive out their enemies. They didn't just sit on their lumps saying, God, drive out the enemies from the land, right? They had to take action. So, sorry. Um, I don't know where this comes from. Um, so, the, continuing, let's keep going. Now this song pivots. It's an interesting pivot right at the end, verse number five. Um, first we have this perspective of God, then there's this uh, declaring God's promises back to him, and then there's this clear, expectant prayer that they pray. And then la- and the fourth thing that you see here is there's a warning siren. He gives a warning siren to everybody who's listening and everybody who is singing this vertical worship song. Listen to this, the, the verse. He says, but those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Those who turn aside from their crooked ways. This is a scary part because the, the psalmist, the, the writer, is, he's doing a comparison. Like, God, you, we need you to cause good to happen to those who are good and upright. Like, God, we need you to do something here and expecting you to do it. But in the same way, God will cause those who choose to take matters into their own hands and do things their own way, he will cause those people to be led astray by evildoers, just like the evildoers, so they will go. You know, this, this happens when God's way becomes difficult. Listen, listen, check in, listen to this. This happens when God's ways become difficult, uncomfortable, or too long. It's taking too long. God's not answering the prayers. It's not happening. This is taking longer than I expected. Then, then oftentimes people deviate and take matters into their own hands, all the while intending to come back. God, I'll just, you're not moving right here, so I'm going to go over here. I know what to do. I, I know, I know you told me to stay and to depend on you, but I don't think you're moving right here, so let me just get over here. What just happened? I got off of my depending on the Lord, and now I think I've got a better plan. And now I'm deviating. I'm going crooked. And, but I, I want to come back. I'll, I'll do this. I'll fix this, and then I'll come back over here. What this verse is saying is be careful about getting up from depending on the Lord. Because the moment you do that, God will cause you to go further than you want to go because sin will hook you. And you'll believe that this crooked way that you think is better than God's way is going to take you, it's going to, it's going to be better. It's going to actually take you further away. It's going to lead you with evildoers. That's the point of this psalm, this particular verse. So be careful about getting up. Your ways are never better than God's ways. 
The sad part is, this is far too often common in my own life. I too often get up from the chair thinking I got a better plan than what God has. So I would say, let's heed the warning. So here's the fourth point I want to mention in this statement, in this song. He says, if I'm struggling trusting God, I need to resolve to do things the Lord's way. Resolve to do things the Lord's way, not my own way. This idea of resolving, this is a God thing. Remember, God's causing this. Again, that Hebrew verb, it's a causative imperative. God, you need to cause this thing to happen. Just like you said it was going to happen, make it happen. All right? God causes it, but I choose it. Okay? So the resolving, God has to cause me to want to stay faithful to his word, but I have to choose to stay faithful to his ways. So there's a both and happening here. God's doing something in me, and I have to make the action step to trust the Lord and depend on him. I love how the songwriter, um, back in the 1700s, Robert Robinson penned a very popular hymn song that we all know today um, as Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. So it is said that he read this particular psalm, hearing this psalm, decided to write his own worship song, what I'm talking about doing today, and he writes this song, and now listen, he's following the same template that I gave you that's right here in this psalm. Listen to what he says. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be, let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I feel the urgency to get up and take matters in my own ways. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. He's writing his own vertical worship song because he realizes his, his tendency to distrust in his own ways to get up from the chair, to get up from trusting the Lord and do things his way. The warning cry is real. The warning cry is real. Now, I'm going to draw your attention back up to verse 3. Can you see that how at verse 3 ends? He says, lest the righteous. God, I need, you to, I need you to fulfill your promise here, God. Fulfill your promise. And here's the reason why. Lest the righteous, those who want to live righteously, stretch out their hands to do wrong. In verse number 5, he's explaining what happens if we choose to get up. If we choose to depend on ourselves, that's the reality. So he's begging God in the prayer, God, please work so that my heart stays fixed on you. When you're struggling to trust the Lord, have the right perspective. Declare the promises back to the Lord. Cry out with expectancy and resolve to do things the Lord's way. And here's the cool thing. Notice how the psalm ends. The psalm ends with, Peace be upon Israel. So what I did in my Bible is I circled that phrase, peace be upon Israel, and I drew a line all the way up to verse number one. Those who trust in the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord will have peace. And at first part, it says they'll, be, they'll have strength. They'll be unmovable like the Mount Zion. What I want you to see this, this morning is God wants us as a church and as individuals to grow and to continue to practice in trusting in the Lord. You've trusted the Lord perhaps for your salvation, but that might have been the only thing you've trusted him for. Maybe you've not trusted him in your giving. Maybe you're not trusting him in your parenting, your, your school and your education. You've entrusted him in your career. Trust the Lord in everything. 
He is trustworthy. It's common sense. So here's what happens though. When, when as soon as you trust the Lord, hardship's gonna come, something's gonna happen, and it's gonna cause you to say, mm, maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe I should go over here and do this thing and, and do it the way I think it should be done. Stay, stay here. And what God's gonna do is he's gonna slowly but gradually get your focus more and more and more fixed on him. Won't be right away, but to get to the point where you're completely exclusively focused on him and no worry, no fear, no anxiety will grip you because your eyes are fixed on him. That's vertical worship, church. And this is what God wants for you and for me. Peace. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful for this, for this word, this song. But God, I pray that this song would do two things. Would provoke us this morning to continue to trust you, but that it will also provoke us to desire to sing loudly and worship you with our own worship song that you allow us to write with creativity that will become an anchor point for our own lives. God, you are a God of faithfulness. You're a God who always abides. You surround us, Lord. I love the, 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 the worship song that is all over the radio right now. When I think I'm surrounded, I'm actually surrounded by you. I pray, God, that this truth will become a spiritual reality for us this morning, that we'll have a renewed perspective of who you are, and that, God, you will do what you said you would do, give us peace and make us a strong, strong people. In Jesus' name we pray.